I think if you can really understand that it's people, like that you are scaling people rather than a company, then I think you're going to win. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hi, and welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we are sitting down with one of my best friends who happens to also be basically family, and she's somebody who has been a business mentor, a friend mentor, all of it along the way, and I have gotten an insider view into what her journey has been like as she's become a really amazing boss and really amazing CEO. So today I finally sit down with Lori Harder and I'm not, because she's so personal to me, I'm not going to read her bio. I'm just going to tell you about her from my perspective um, and highlight some of the amazing things that she's up to as well. So Lori is a self-made millionaire. She has grown multiple businesses to million dollar businesses. I think there's probably three in there. Um, she is the host of one of the top podcasts called Earn Your Happy. She's an author. She's written a book called A Tribe Called Bliss. She's hosted many different women's and personal development events. And she is just somebody who I love. And it's been so amazing watching her journey into entrepreneurship. And we sit down and we talk about it. Oh my gosh, I didn't even tell you guys the biggest thing. She's raised over $2 million for her company, Light Pink. And watching her do that through investors and learn and grow. Oh my gosh. I, I'm just so grateful that I get to see that. And I get to share some of the lessons that she's learned with you and ask her a lot of questions about what it's been like. She is somebody I just love and adore so much. Lori, thank Jackie. you so much for coming on the show. It is so overdue. I feel like I we've talked about this for so long and you're finally here. I'm here. I'm so excited. I know that you're going to ask me all of the really fun, yep. deep personal questions that I can't wait to tell you all of my answers well, and how we've... uncomfortable I was. <laughs> well, I feel like I've, I've gotten such a, well, not I feel like, I've gotten such an insider view mm -hmm. into your journey as an entrepreneur, both by yourself, mm -hmm. working by yourself to then hiring people and now, you know, scaling that even more. So wait, can we really talk about how insider view this was? <laughs> sure. So <laughs> you guys, she literally lived with us for like, was it seven months? Yes. And she worked in the office bedroom down the hallway where she could hear everything I was saying. And thank God, because she would just chime in <laughs> answers to questions that I was stumped on while talking out loud to my, um, chief of staff, Lauren. And she'd be like, can I, can I help you with that? And I'd be like, yes, please. So it felt like we were working in an office and I had my own HR there, which has been, you know, I think what's so cool about what I learned about you is that HR and hiring and all of these things is so, is one of the biggest parts of your business and company. And it's so overlooked. And I think when you really understand what it is, which I, I'm sure is still hard to explain to people. It is. Um, but when I really understood what Jackie did and how much she helped me, I was like, how do people go without this? So that's how inside of a view she had is she would literally chime in and help me out daily yeah. with answers to hiring, 
fundraising, the way a company should run and be structured, um, check-ins with employees, how to really lead teams. What does that look like? So you've just had so much, um, you've just had so much experience with big companies that that has been something that I've been able to uh, really benefit from is being able to lead and learn what these big companies are doing. Uh, which has, I and think, small companies and small companies. <laughs> yeah. And small companies for sure. Um, and that's helped me exponentially, I think as a leader. Oh, well, thank you. I think, um, something you brought up is, well, you sort of brought up, but didn't is there's a lot of different types of HR leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're an entrepreneur and a small business owner, finding an HR partner that actually understands how to build a business mm. is so important. And I will very proudly say that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been fun being able, you know, working in startups in LA, mm-hmm. I got so privy to so much information about how to scale a business and how to grow. And so it's been really fun mm-hmm. to be able to share some of that. And I think there's a lot of HR professionals who all they know is employment law. Yep. And there's like no, there's no gray. It's black and white. You can either do this or you can't. And mm-hmm. they don't know how to like have some of those more I don't know, in-depth conversations around business. And it's a very modern conversation because things are very different than they used to be. So I feel like HR laws haven't necessarily flexed with how different of a landscape Mm -hmm. that we are in Um, and how much more I think employers are bringing, like, like wanting to portray and bring in their team's personalities and like really showcase your zones of genius and all these different things that I just, I I don't think it's how it used to be. So it's it needs a, a new, it needs a new a wave of people, Jackie. Modern. And that's you. That's me. Modern <laughs> HR lady. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so question that I, some stuff I really wanted to dive in with you today and that I think listeners can relate to, a lot of listeners can relate to is this journey of you didn't become a boss from growing up in a corporate environment and all of a sudden you were good at a job. So you became a boss and then you became an entrepreneur. You had a very different journey mm-hmm. toward to becoming a boss. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who go through the same way that you did. I think there's mm-hmm. more who never go to school, who never get a corporate job. And all of a sudden are like, I'm going to do this thing. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh fuck. Oh, yeah. I'm the boss. <laughs> I haven't even seen how people have done this before. Um, and then there's a few of us who, did go to school, got some corporate jobs, which I think helps a little bit, also hinders you a little bit, to be Mm. honest, in being an entrepreneur. Um, And so I want to ask you questions related to your journey to becoming Mm. a boss and figuring this out. Mm -hmm. So where I want to start is, did you ever think you would become Mm. a boss? Like, was it when you thought about no. what you wanted to be when you grew up, what was it? Yeah, you I've never asked you that question. Oh my gosh, growing up, I mean, I wanted, I mean, come on, what's what do I do all the time? I have a karaoke oh machine. I wanted to be a singer. So mm-hmm. no, I was not going to be a boss. <laughs> um, you, you know, I had very high aspirations <laughs> because I did play secretary oh. just about every day of my life as a child. So I no, wasn't the boss there either. <laughs> so I am definitely an accidental boss. And when you think about, you know, I wanted my own business. And I, I guess I wanted to lead people, but I absolutely did not think that that was going to be in boss form. And I still don't actually love that term. I do like, I mean, yes, you are the boss for sure. And it it is something that I think happens to a lot of people, but I think a boss is, is a leader. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, you're going first. You're the person who's willing to 
do the hard things and you're the person who's willing to say that you're wrong and you're the person who's willing to restructure. And, you know, I, I think that feels more like I can try that name on. Cause I'm like, yeah. how did I end up this way? Like yeah, it doesn't, yeah. And I think for a lot of people listening, maybe you feel that way. Like, how am I supposed to be a boss? Like I can hardly lead myself some days and it can feel mm-hmm. really, really big and overwhelming. And that's what I'm excited to chat about too, is like, what does that actually look like in, in the day to day? So no, I didn't think I was going <laughs> to be a boss. So I'm curious over the years, when all of a sudden you were like, I have to hire people and I have to like mm. be their manager, whatever mm. you thought that word was, their leader yeah. or whatever. What are some things that you thought it was going to be like compared mm. to how it actually is Mm. Now that you've been doing it for how long? How long have you had employees? 10 years? Think, yeah. Oh, a little longer if you count Heidi. Um, but yeah, she came to work. Assistance and Heidi and mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. 10 years. Maybe Holy longer. Cow. Yeah. Okay. So what, is there anything that you're like, oh, I thought it would be like this and it oh, was yeah. actually, it's actually so oh, not. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk to everyone who's like, oh, I have to hire somebody. I thought that I was going to hire someone and they would just come in and, um, you know, scale things and get things done and, and they would know exactly what to do and grow my business. And so when that wouldn't happen, my thought process around it was I hired the wrong person. And now I am fully aware that you have to, you first have to really get clear on what you want these people to do in your organization. Mm -hmm. And then you have to set them up for success. Mm -hmm. And then you have to learn enough about them to know what their best working style is. And then you have to both figure out your communication styles. And so there is a lot of work that go a lot of work and time. Actually. I don't think, you know, if you have a good person until you're at six months to a year. And preach. <laughs> and so for me, I don't really, unless it's, unless and maybe not a good person, it could be a blend of a good fit for the job yes, and yes, yes. a good, a Thank good you hire. That. You know, I don't know not- if you have a good specific hire, yes. meaning of course you can have good people, but not good for the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, a specific fit for your job until, um, you know, a year mark. And here's the thing is if it's your first hire, you don't even know what you need until you get someone in there. So you can think you know, but you don't actually know until you get someone in your company. And you might find that you're having them do your zone of genius at first, just because it's like, oh, this is taking up time. And you find out, wait, I actually want to be doing that. Um, I don't want them to be doing this. And it's not moving the needle on the company unless I do it. Like there are all of those examples that mm. you might have them doing something that they actually should not be doing. And you don't, you don't know that until someone is in your company, you start to see how it works. Yeah. So that's really a great call out. And if you're new to hiring, when you have that realization, sometimes you don't handle that conversation maybe in the best way, because it's not even clear to you that why maybe you're being frustrated about mm-hmm. something or something's coming up, right? It takes mm-hmm. some time to figure out what that is. And then how do you have that conversation with the employee? Because it can be frustrating as a team member to be hired for one job. And then in a year from now, you're doing something totally different. Right. Right. Yep. That happens everywhere. And if that is the thing that, you know, if you're in a startup or this is your first hire and you're not sure yet, I think, um, the thing that has helped me so much now is setting really clear expectations of 
hey, this is going to be a job where you are going to need to be flexible. It's going to look different all the time because we're going to be, you know, changing so much or uh, do you work well in that environment? And that's really something that I think with, you know, when we look at Lauren, like she knew what she was getting into. Mm-hmm. She knew it would be ever changing. Um, she knew what the workload could look like. So I think having her and what did she celebrate her? I think we had her two year, like I think it was two, yeah. that is it's been priceless because I really think we, I was equipped as a, as a boss or a leader at that point to know how to truly pitch this job for her and set her up for success. When, since I was involved in that hire. Yes. The other thing is you can say, you can tell somebody all day long, Hey, this job is going to change. Are you okay with that? Of course they're going to say yes. They want the job. Mm -hmm. That's true. And you know, or if you say, you know, we really need a self-starter. Is that you? Who's going to say no? That's true. That's true. So what <laughs> nobody's going to be like, what do you ask to find those things out? And what are some giveaway answers? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because no one's going to be like, you know what? I'm I am not, not a self-starter. I'm, I'm so glad you How asked that question. <laughs> That's inter- okay. So yes, the way that you ask the questions is definitely going to, yeah. So it's like getting clear on what you need for mm-hmm. sure. And then um, setting up an actual like hiring process to make sure that you're hiring and and being more thoughtful in your hiring. Because Mm -hmm. I saw that evolve even with you um, and your guys' team before, before I helped, you know, come in and hire for light pink, your guys' interview process evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Didn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, And part of it is that, I mean, I can answer your question. Like you asked for examples of, you dig into their experience and, and what they've done to pull out and have them share times where they had a shift gears. Yep. You learn more about their work and you're listening for cues that, oh, this didn't go as planned or they were, you know, a great question is like, what were you hired to do? And like, and then you ask them like, what are some of your biggest accomplishments? And a lot of times those would be different, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, what they were initially hired for and what they're most proud of are completely unrelated. So like they're, that could be a sign there. Yeah. Flexible, willing That's to change. That's been really huge for us is, is tell me a time when. And if you guys pay attention to language, there's a lot to be said with that just around were they positive when they're talking about a time they had to pivot? Where is there a lot of solution conversation in there? Or it's amazing how actually obvious people are with that. Like some people will be like, yeah, but I wasn't hired for that. So I didn't really want to take it on or just things like that. That's like a really clear, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. How many times are they kind of, um, maybe saying things that are, that they didn't love it. It just becomes really clear. And I remember when we were interviewing for the chief of staff or was it, no, it was the executive assistant Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was a marketing role. I think it was a marketing role that we were interviewing mm. for, for light pink. And I talked to this candidate and had a great call with them. And so I had you talk with them and you were on the phone for like 45 minutes. Cause you were like, there's something in here. And you just like went <laughs> deep. Right. You got off the phone. You're like, there was just some sort of like a, I could tell she wasn't being super mm. forthcoming. And mm-hmm. so you kept probing. And I think that is a great example of you don't just take answers at face value. You yes. actually listen, which I wonder if your podcast, because you've asked so many questions, mm. if that made you a better interviewer. I think it definitely did. So she's talking about somebody who, for her interview, I can see how she probably crushed it because in the beginning of mine, it was really good. 
And then it was like one little thing said about, I believe, like a former boss. I, I, and I, I just kind of went down that rabbit hole and all of a sudden it just came out like a very, very negative side. And I thought, oh, that's, <laughs> but it took two interviews. So I mm-hmm. think this is, you know, the main point of this conversation is you can nail an interview and then the second interview, maybe things come out. And I don't think it's too much to ask for multiple interviews. And I think from someone who's mm-hmm. new, if you, I would have told you before, I would have been like, oh, that's a lot to ask. Or, oh, now we're asking them to do a specific assignment. Wow. That feels like a lot. And now that's absolutely required because if they mm-hmm. aren't willing to do that, then I know that they're not going to be the right person. For the right. Job. So being intentional about hiring, mm-hmm. being know what they're setting them up for success by being yep. clear and honest and, and all of that. Did you have this thought that you had to be like super buttoned up and professional mm-hmm. all the time or no? Mm-hmm. That's a tough one for me. And I'll tell you why I did. And I didn't because most of my uh, former employees were in my home. Mm, so right. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to hide for long. So I would actually put that in the interview process as I'd be like, Hey, this is in our home. So you're going to hear things that obviously you're, you're, you know, signing a NDA, like just on our lives. And you're going to be here on my emotional days. And you're going to be here on days that are hard and days that are celebratory. And that was an expectation that really helped me actually get to a place where I could show up as me, but also, of course, I tried to show up as the best leader I could be within my home. So I didn't hold myself necessarily to that standard. Of course, I, I just, because I I respect them as a human being. Yes. I want to watch what I say and I want to make sure that it still feels somewhat, I I want it to be a safe and healthy and happy work environment. Right. I, I probably erred more on the side of humor and fun and like, yes. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Do you think that helped when you had to have hard conversations or did it make it hard, like more challenging? No, I think it helped because they, they, they would hear that we would have hard conversations, meaning like they would hear this in our conversations, even around like you and Chris. Yeah. They, yeah. They would hear us having tough conversations, maybe about our other businesses, or they would maybe hear us, um, you know, with Nick talking about things that maybe are challenging that we have to get through just in business in general. So I feel like they knew that that was a norm that we were going to confront that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it it didn't make it that much easier. Yeah. But at least they knew culturally we were going to face things head on. Yeah, for sure. How has your communication style evolved with your team members to know when you need, it's time to have an uncomfortable conversation or Mm. bring something to the surface or, I think what's been really helpful is number one, um, you know, Chris came from the corporate world and then also having you in my business now is really helpful because there are things you should say in tough conversations and there are things you should not say. So I did get coaching around it. Um, and sometimes we think if it's a tough conversation, we just need to bring up the point right away. But I think it's so important just like with friendships or parenting, not a parent yet, but it's like, you want to give them amazing feedback first. Like what are they doing good? What is going right? And then also letting them know that you're having this conversation because you want, if, if this is the truth, because you want them in your company long-term and because these are the, this is a normal part of a working relationship is to butt up against things and you don't get the opportunity to get better until you have these moments. And so I think setting them up going, Hey, we have an opportunity here. It's not a fun one, but we both have this opportunity that I believe on the other side of this, we're going to be better and we're going to be closer as, um, you know, coworkers, work environment, whatever you want to say there. But it's like, 
that's been really helpful is setting up that I'm doing this because I care for you as a person. Um, or I want to be someone who you look back on as someone who, you know, maybe helps you or left you better yeah. or guided you. And so that has really helped me going this big setup where, um, they know they're going into something and it's not all bad. Cause that can feel really, really terrible. Yeah. So I think that that's been really good from most of our tough conversations. We typically now have people who come out the other side and say, thank you so much for that. Right. You know what I think that's because of hmm. so much personal development work hmm. that you've done. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of folks listening to the show who maybe haven't done any of that work on like what triggers happen mm. in your body when you're you, like just being aware of some of those mm. things of like, what does it feel like when I'm frustrated? How Ugh. do I catch that early? How do I know when I have to have those conversations? And I think the personal development work you do outside of work makes you such a better boss. Here's when I know to have those conversations. If you can't get around it, like if you, mm. if you emotionally can't get over it, like if you, when you see that person, it just, it's a trigger something annoys you. If you find yourself doing the work that you shouldn't be doing. Um, I think the more that you have these conversations, the more you're setting yourself up for a business and life that you love. So in the beginning, I feel like you're having them a lot more and towards the end, you should be not towards the end, but in the future, you should be getting to a place where it actually doesn't even feel That's like a hard conversation. Gonna... If yeah. I'm being totally honest, it just feels like communication now mm -hmm. because like, Lauren and I, or Nick and I, or Taylor and I, I feel like it's just, they, we know that mm -hmm. if we want to, um, stay together, grow together and we're yeah. committed to each other. I think that's another big thing is like, when you feel like when, when you give people the feedback that they're really valuable and you want them on mm -hmm. this team long-term, if you feel that way, if you truly feel that way, then they feel like these conversations aren't threatening. Right. They're just conversations you have as a part of work. They're not right. big things. Even like with my um, business partner, Molly, who joined the business, we had a, we, we were talking about something and she like offered a really great idea about something. And I was just busy and I kind of blew her off, not mm. intentionally, but I was like, Oh, I hope she doesn't feel like I blew mm. her off. And I was thinking about it. And so I sent her a note. I'm like, did it feel like I blew you off earlier? And she's like, not at all. Why are you even asking me this? Right. But it's just like, mm -hmm. I think, cause I have that That's relationship so with her where yeah. I can be like, I really hope you didn't feel like I blew you off when you brought that up. Did mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's because we've, we've, we've worked together for so long that we can do that. But. And I love that cue that you had like, Oh, that didn't feel totally great. And I think that that's really important within all of your team. If something mm -hmm. is like that, even just for your peace, like my goal is to feel peace and ease and flow with mm -hmm. all of those relationships Yeah, and because business is hard. It is so hard. And I'm not saying that to not get into it. It's, it, it's the personal development of your life. It is. Mm -hmm. And so if your team can feel good, business can be fun. Like it can be a yeah. lot more fun. And I think being in all of these rooms with people, Jackie, the main thing is, you know, team. Cause if it, if it comes to scaling, it's all because of team mm -hmm. or communication, or they feel like things are hard because, you know, someone's not doing something or most likely if someone's not doing something, it's because of your lack of communication. You either have the wrong person or yeah. you haven't told them yet or whatever. So, um, cause that was going to be a question that I wanted to ask you was you are in rooms with some of the most successful entrepreneurs, a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs. 
And I'm just curious, what are some of the conversations they're having around team? Like everyone talks about the importance of a great team. And mm. if you're listening to the show, that's why the show's here, right? You go, you read books, you, you do all these things and everyone's like, your team is so important, but then you're left with fuck do they actually mean? Like, mm -hmm. how do I do it? And this mm -hmm. podcast is meant to give tactical advice to actually do that part of your mm -hmm. business well. So I'm curious if there's any nuggets, any takeaways, any conversations that you're, you're hearing in these high level mm -hmm. entrepreneur conversations that could help folks listen. Yeah. Um, so at, at the places that they're at, typically the problems with teams are they want to scale faster. So it's, the team does or the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur does okay. mm -hmm. and, or CEO, I guess. We can yeah. And they have had some level of success. So they've kind of gone through like the beginning phases of maybe getting their team together and communication and things like that. But as the team grows, that's a whole new, that's a whole new kind of, um, monster. I don't want to call it that. I want to call it something much friendlier. Um, but that's a whole new dynamic within that team because a whole new carnival. Yeah. A whole new fun carnival, right? Um, so their, their stuff is more around like, how do they lead when they're not in direct communication with those mm. people? And also the conversations are a lot around who they're hiring. So, um, there's two things with, with who they're hiring. They, no longer, or they, they're either in the trap where they're hiring people that they have to train into or train in important positions that are supposed to be people who already know how to scale something or take them to the next level. So they're putting people in the wrong positions. So unintentionally, well, um, I would imagine now they're becoming aware of it saying this, this is the problem they have. They're like, I just feel like we're stuck. My team is stuck and they're not going fast enough well, who did you hire? Was it someone who's done this before? Like, did you take enough time to go and try to find that person? Are you willing to ideas? pay them what they need to make? Are you willing to pay to them make? the price that you, right. yes, these are a lot of the things that are coming up there because what's happening is a, a lot is that we can sometimes hire for their potential and then we're, we, we start training them. So it takes us out of our zone of genius. Mm. So that's what was happening a lot in that room is they're like, I just see so much in them and you know, I, the things that I should be doing, I'm now training someone to go and do when you probably should have looked a little bit longer to try to find somebody who could really take the reins on that faster. Well, also if, but if you're looking to scale, you probably want someone who knows how to do the thing yep. better than you. Cause you've only gotten you to totally. a certain point. Yeah. This is interesting. I was just talking to Kelly Kussman and she got some feedback on something we were going back and forth on. And, and he said, okay, let's look at this problem that you have. Are you treating your company like it's a $2 billion company? And like someone who had a $2 billion company would not go, oh, I'm the CEO of a $2 billion company. Let me go take the time to show you how to scale this. They would literally go, what do we need to pay this person? Where can we come up with that money to get the right person in this seat? Mm -hmm. And that's all they think about, right? How do I get the right person in the seat? Even if it means sacrificing something else right well, now. Well, I was listening to um, Alex, Horm one of Alex Hormozzi's yes, podcast. I probably listened to the same one. And he was talking about how you always incur debt. Mm. And so when you're hiring a team or there's a lot of different debt, right? Like there's technical debt if you're building a software product, there's always debt that you're incur incurring and there's financial debt mm. and there's all that financial debt can also impact with the team debt. There's like team debt in terms of investing in the wrong people, then you have to like train them and upskill them and stuff like that. So if you do have enough money, it might be better to go into financial debt mm. to get the right people so that you don't, you know, add up all of the team debt. 
too. And that, that was an interesting, there was another, there was a bunch of them. I can't remember exactly. I kind of, I kind of look at it like you're either paying up front or you're paying long-term. So right. you're, but in the, in the grand scheme, if you're paying up front, you're paying for a really good talent up front. And of course you can lose money and you can still do wrong hires there. That's where people get hundred percent, but at least you're now in that game and you'll probably find your person in one to three, right? Let's just say yeah. those are kind of decent odds. One to three, if you have somebody helping you with a good hire as well, or you are taking your time off someone on your team who's important, who can train these things or yourself is taking the foot off the gas, which is making way less money mm -hmm. to now go and take time to train someone that you are paying for. So I almost think you're paying also for someone, maybe it's a little less, but you're taking your time away from income producing things. So in the grand scheme, I actually think you're paying the same where to not get the same output though, because I think the one getting trained is going to make more mistakes long-term because they haven't seen what's coming where the person mm -hmm. that you just pay mm -hmm. up front, you're also paying for their mistakes they've already made. So they're going to make less mistakes with you mm. because they've already made them with some other company where they got trained. Right. And then the actual like numbers conversation is, let's say you have two candidates for a job, I'm just going to use a fake job and fake numbers. And, you know, an okay candidate is asking for $70,000. Mm -hmm. A really great candidate is asking for $90,000. Mm -hmm. That $20,000, that's a $20,000 difference, right? Mm -hmm. Which might feel like a lot. But when you break it down over 12 months, it's what? $2,000 mm -hmm. um, a month. Yeah. Right. So it's like incremental cost. It's not like all of a sudden $90,000 is getting taken right. out of your back, out of your yeah. bank account. Mm -hmm. It's like over time. And I think people forget that as well. So that was a lesson that you learned or that you, you're hearing in those rooms yep. as well as that. Well, I guess that would be a question. My next question, and maybe this is an answer or maybe you have something else, but is there any advice that you were given from mentors? Cause you've always had mentors mm that you waited too long to listen to? Yes. To make sure that I'm checking in with my people frequently. Mm. I just assume they're doing good. And, you know, I assume they're doing good until the day they tell me that they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just being really honest. I had two people leave. I just did not see it coming at all. Um, and it's because I was not asking what their best working style was. Mm. I wasn't asking... You know, how are you feeling doing this every day? I wasn't asking, is there something that you want to be doing different? I wasn't asking, what are your goals? What do you want to be growing into? I just assumed that they were good because they were happy. Um, and, you know, maybe one of them I could have saved, one of them for sure not. And, and that's okay too. I just, I think that there's so many ways that now when people leave, it's not a shock to me at all. Like we're actually having the conversation either yeah. if they're leaving, I'm actually coaching them out in a positive way of like, a, oh my God, thank you so much for the time that you've been here or we're coaching them up, but mm -hmm. I'm not ever, I don't, I think it'll be really rare that I'm blindsided from now on because I have check-in points consistently and I ask them like, Hey, how's it going? Or, you know, would you be happier somewhere else? Is there something that you'd rather be doing? What would this look like? Cause I you could ask, do you often, do you ever think about looking for a new job? Yeah. What's your job? You're, are like, you fantasizing? About <laughs> I don't know how you could ask it, but, I, but I'm so like, in a way, like just, asking I actually that. don't care asking that because you know what? I want that well, open relationship with my people. I do feel as a boss, especially one like you that is good at the communication. You know, you have a great relationship with your 
your teammates, you forget that there's still that leadership. There's that boss employee dynamic, mm-hmm. regardless of how close you are. It's very hard for an employee to be like, Hey, I got to tell you, I'm not mm. happy. Cause they're like, how's she going to react? Is she going to think I want to leave? Is she going to fire mm. me? Like this is so good. you okay. control their comp. Like you still have the upper hand into a big part of their life because you control their livelihood and how they earn money that you could have the best relationship ever. And you still have to like be the one to ask yes. the questions. Does that you make sense? Absolutely have to, they, they're coming into your job, workspace, environment, your atmosphere with a slew of their past stories. Mm. And they're, most of them are probably 80% fairly negative, not the most open relationships. It doesn't mean that their former employers employers were bad. It just means it means most, most managers suck. Let's be honest. If you're listening to this and you're like, Whoa, that's a really open communication. It's because it is, but here's the thing. Your results will be drastically different. If you're willing to have these very real open conversations and you'll know what's coming. Like it's not going to change the end result if someone's leaving because they're just not happy in that specific role. So wouldn't you want to know yeah. so that you can be ready for and they who could you're help hire you with the transition and they can help you train and you can help them go into, you know, I, I look at being now an employer and a leader as I just get to um, be on someone's journey and guide them into like whatever path they're supposed to go on their life. And that, when you look at it that way, I know that sounds crazy, but it literally frees you up so much to know like, wow, you get to be this awesome part of this person's journey and you're going to extend the lifetime that they work for you if this is your method and idea. Totally. So with that conversation out there, I can have really real conversations with people and Lauren and go, Hey, where, like, where are you at? Where are your daydreams at? Like, are we going to be able to Mm -hmm. support like this dream that you have for your life or your home ownership goals or what does this look like? Because if I'm not able to meet those, I know that she's going to look somewhere else. So, right. um, and if I can't, it's like, Hey, I know that she's already starting to think of something else. So you have to put yourself in their shoes frequently. And also, Oh, this is the main thing. Just like in all relationships, like with my husband, we create containers where it would be normal to have that conversation. Like we create the spaces. So every day on our walk, it's kind of like checking in with each other. And so you need to create the spaces with your team yes. to be like, okay, here we are. It's our bi-weekly or maybe it's our bi-monthly mm-hmm. where it, you have these normal questions that could bring this up. And it's a regular thing. It's a routine thing. And it's a long enough thing. It's not just a 15 minute check-in. And it's not maybe, just going over a task list. Not Yeah, absolutely not a task. This is to truly check in with the people who are most important on your team to know where they're at. Because at the end of the day, they're people with goals. And if they're not meeting them, they're going to go try to meet them, especially if they're A players. Yep, for sure. And I I mean, you can steal this core value if you want for your okay, company. Please do. But I want to be on the record saying okay. I came up with it. Just kidding. I'm ready for it. I got it from somebody else. But one of the core values that I have as I grow my team is like we embody an alumni mentality. Mm. Like you should be better because you worked here mm. and we got, I got really got I that from that, so that was, I mean, we didn't call it that, but that was really, we thought about it as like, mm. you should feel proud to say you worked at my company mm-hmm. because you learned so much and you grew and that made me, you stay and you yeah. help other people do that. But what did you learn from working with me? Yeah. 
that is going to help you like create the ripple in the world. And so, and that's an expectation. That core value actually sets the expectation for the person that, Hey, it's good to grow. And I think that's an important mm-hmm. conversation too, because some mm-hmm. people can come in and be like, I'm stressed every day or I'm stretched or they're asking me to do big things. Yeah. You signed up for that. That's growth and how important that is. But if, if, if you don't educate around yes. what a benefit that is, sometimes people can take the benefits as a negative thing. Right. So what's the conversation around that? Or I'm just reframing it because mm-hmm. there are going to be t- days where it's hard and yeah. you're growing a lot and then you don't like it. Totally. But how do you reframe it? Who can reframe that for me? <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I get it. I feel like I've asked you all my questions. Is there anything major that you think, anything that we didn't cover that you think listeners could know, especially from the mindset of like becoming a boss Mm -hmm. accidentally? I think you never feel like a boss. I think every day you're learning. I think every day feels that is our, yes, we get to stretch with the company, but also I think if you can really understand that it's people like that you are scaling people rather than a company, then I think you're going to win. Like you get to scale people. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. It's really, really cool. It's amazing. I love it. I'm a nerd. Like, especially, and I, I always want to, I don't know if I'll be able to, but I, I want to keep kind of my core team smaller because when you just, when you really truly get what it means to be a team and work as a team and rely on, mm-hmm. on each other and, And, um, really just when I look at Lauren, I just can't imagine my life without her because I so appreciate her zones of genius and what she does and letting her be free and her roles and what she can grow in and bring out and all of those things, um, within this company. I think that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, oh my God. It's like, I get to be proud for things she's doing. Like, I'm just like, this is so cool. That's awesome. So I love that. Yeah. I'm so happy. And it's been so fun watching you grow in your leadership Mm. um, and struggle in your leadership Mm -hmm. and learn from those. It's been really, I feel so grateful that Mm. I get such an insider view into Mm. what's going on. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so glad you're having these conversations because I got to have them with you. Um, and I, I don't even know where I'd be if I didn't truly, I don't, I don't think I would feel equipped to be going where I'm going. (laughs) Okay. So I'm sure many listeners already know who you are and where to follow you and and not, but okay. How can, (laughs) where can listeners learn more about you and learn from you and follow along with your entrepreneur journey? Uh, I mean, most of my time, unfortunately spent on Instagram, but go check me out there, uh, at Lori Harder. And yeah, that's where all of everything is happening right now. Awesome. And your podcast. Oh my God. That too. Um, big deal. Um, Uh, earn your happy is my podcast. One of the leading podcasts. Period. Period. That she forgot to mention. Totally (laughs) forgot. Um, yeah. So earn your happy and you can go check that out. That is really about how to make money doing what you love and really just mm-hmm. becoming your best, like trying to reach your potential every day. So many personal development lessons mm-hmm. too, that inevitably help you in being a leader for, for sure. So check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I loved it. Okay. We'll continue well, this without okay. the mic. Great. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening, share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth, share it with a fellow business owner in your network who, you know, will be moved by the message. 
Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me. 